So Jess, I'm thrilled that you're the department possum now. <laughs> I'm fully embracing it though. I, I was telling our colleague that I was going to get hoodies that say possum problems on them and start distributing them. Have you heard about this fire that, that we have a possum in the department? I did. I did hear about it. I, of course, in my in my mind, thought it was like a real literal possum problem. Like a possum was loose within the building and then Jess saw it and leapt onto a desk to avoid it. Like that's where my mind went. So when I heard that it was something a little different, I was like, oh, I was kind of relieved. I was like, oh, okay, great. That's the, the solution-oriented fire eyes in mind, like ready to address the fact that we have a large, I think they're marsupials, a large marsupial that has infested our school. <laughs> well, I would use it as an opportunity to try and clean out all the area that I want for storage for my athletic teams. We Honestly, then we should spread that false narrative. Yeah, I am. I might do that. I might do that. Like if you hear about, my, I might just let a bunch of rats and mice loose. They're like, oh, well, we got to throw all this stuff out. I don't know. To... No. Jess, do you care to give context to the listeners why you are the department possum? So one of our colleagues has a giant sized jar of peanut M&Ms and peanut M&Ms go hard. So like, okay. And he offered that to another colleague and I was like, wait, can I have some? And so he's like, whatever, take some, right? So now of course I have taken it upon myself to continue to take some out of the cabinet. He's cool with it. You know, I told him like, I'll, I'll buy you a whole new one. I got you. And he was like, it was funny because I told Johnson, hey, watch my back. I'm going to go into the cabinet and take some more peanut M&Ms. And he, Johnson was like, yo, if he comes by, I'm going to caca. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm here taking a handful of the M&Ms. I hear the caca and I thought Johnson was just kidding. And then I hear... Jess is stealing your M&Ms again because Johnson gave me up after he was supposed to be guarding me. <laughs> and then my coworker, the coworker whose M&Ms belong to, he's like, you're like a raccoon. No, even worse, you're like a possum. So I've become the department possum. I, I feel the need to explain myself, okay? I quickly reevaluated my where my allegiance should lie. I, I tried, <laughs> all right, I tried the signal, right? We discussed a signal. I gave the signal. You completely did not understand or ignored the signal. And in that moment, I was like, I've chosen the wrong team. And <laughs> I immediately gave you up. I am honest to a fault. And so in that moment, it was a split second decision to change sides. I don't know. I'm not proud, but it was a decision I made in the moment. I got to say, I, I heard about all this except for this part now, Johnson. Now, I, we have to, let's unpack this for a moment. Let's, so you straight read it out, Jess. It, it all happened really fast. Okay. okay. And I was like, I was going to get away with it too, because our coworker was walking on this side and I was right. walking on this side. So we would have right. totally avoided each other. Yeah. But she didn't do that. I, I said that we established, I said, Jessica, there's a signal. I'm going to make a bird noise. Here comes the guy whose M&Ms it is. Jessica is arm deep in the jug of M&Ms, like gnawing <laughs> away at the plastic top. And <laughs> I, I do the signal. Kaka, kaka. And she's just like in this peanut induced haze. There's shells flying everywhere, candy coatings. You know, they don't melt, okay? These are made for the US military. And she's just gnawing and hissing and scrabbling around. <laughs> and so, in that, I, I was like, you know what? Who, where, you know, am I going to side with the guy who, you know, brought the MMs? or the feral animal that is inside his cabinet devouring the M&Ms. And it was just like a quick, I couldn't, the, the, I gave the signal, I did my part. And when I saw that my part wasn't valued or responded to, I, I just immediately re-evaluated the side I belonged in the situation. 
Good morning and welcome to another terrific start of the week. Is Sunday the start of the week or the end of the week? This could be its own pre-show chat. This could be like a whole argument. This is a 45 minute. I know some people that feel really strongly about Sunday being the end and they have the really weird Monday through Sunday calendar. Right. And I've tried that. It doesn't work for me. It freaks me out. It's it's the start of the week. I feel like, I don't know, it's like this weird thing for me where it's like, it's the both the start and the end of it. It's like my reset day. Like, Right. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. It's the day of rest. So it's the day of rest. It's, it is the weekend. So it is the end of the week. Maybe it's like the evening is the start of the week. How about that? It's making me dizzy and upset. Yeah. This is, this could be its own podcast. Well, it doesn't matter for us because we don't have work tomorrow. How about that? USA, USA. Right. right. So me and JT are definitely gonna have a big, a big day tomorrow. We're probably gonna, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll put him on a horse, and he'll be, he'll do his best. Rough Riders. He'll do his best. Eddie Roosevelt. So hello everybody. Good morning, and welcome to another great broadcast, another great podcast of the Teach Forex Network. Three social studies teachers with combined over 20 years of teaching experience sharing their tales and strategies of teaching. With us as always is Jessica Warache, the possum lady. Of course, Professor Eric Johnson and myself, Scott Fireisen. Uh, here we are always taking a look at the four pillars of education, curriculum, community, leadership, and technology, how all of those can be enhanced to better education today. So, um, you know, one of the things that we haven't checked in in a while here, Johnson, is our, um, you know, we have so many different ways to get a hold of us out there where we have a, a great Facebook page. We've got our LinkedIn page. We've got our YouTube. We've got our email. We forgot about email. So then we finally checked in with our email and it's overflowing with all these terrific things that we should be talking about. So, um, Johnson, what was something that uh, you saw within our email from a fan, a viewer that uh, you wanted to take a look at today? Yeah, man. So first and foremost, if people want to reach out, they can get in touch with us at teach4xcontact at gmail.com. We're also a messageable on Spotify and, and LinkedIn in particular. We got a great message from a friend of Teach4x, Dan, and it was a news broadcast about a school in Delaware. This place is Polytech High School. And the, the video itself was really inspiring. It was a school that's got 20 career training programs that kids engage with freshman year. So kind of think about like at our school, you know, we have some of the CTE stuff like auto shop and culinary programs. This school has more than that. They got, you know, 20. I don't know what the rest of the blanks that they're filling in are. I know they had some sort of biology one and they get kids doing basically job training rotations their freshman year. And over the course of their four years, in school, the kids slowly whittle down their options until the last couple of years, they are in like a career track, basically, and getting prepared to enter the workforce. I, I think that there appeared to be some options for like college credit or certifications, things like that. It was really quite cool, I thought. Also, clearly a very you know, privileged environment. I was quite envious of of the fact that the school had the resources to set that up for their students. And I think that's something that all of our kids deserve. But I thought it was really cool. And I, I know, Fire, you had some thoughts on it in particular. What were you thinking and feeling as you were taking a peek at this? I'm all for it. I think all that sounds great. To whatever degree schools want to do it, I think it's terrific. I, I, gosh, I'm, I'm going to go off here. The whole purpose of education is to be able to like do things and produce and, and work and engage in the workforce. So 
I feel I feel as though getting students to do that not only is going to be beneficial for the community, because as we know at our school, there's a lot of stuff to be done. There's certainly a lot of work to be done. And then everybody's just sitting around like, here, do this other Chromebook assignment. And it's like, well, why, who's going to do all this stuff around here that needs to be done? So I, whatever that is, whatever needs to be happening, happening to make that happen, I, I think that's a huge, a huge plus. And I believe whatever research is out there, I don't know, but in my heart, I believe that then greatly increases the student engagement because they see it as being real or they see it as being an actual, this isn't school. We're actually like doing work as opposed to just doing assignments. So now how that all happens and what that looks like and who funds it and who gets credit and what happens if you get an F and what if I want to change my major? I don't know. But I, you know, I, that's how I feel. Yeah, there's a lot of logistical stuff to think about, but it is fascinating. I, I'm wondering, like Jess, say you're a little freshy, freshy Jess, and you had the opportunity to pick some sort of career track. You know, I, I again, I don't know all the options the school had, but can you think of like, what would ninth grade Jess have wanted to do if there was some sort of career practice thing at your high school for you? Well, you're going to love this one, Johnson. I probably would have picked like debate, like some sort of debate class where it's like, I was very interested in pre-law. When I was a freshie and young little Jess, I was very interested in going to law school. But then as I got older, I'm like, you know what? But I would have definitely loved some sort of like debate, like, you know, like public speaking communications type like career, because like, I feel that I love that sort of stuff. Like, obviously, it might have been a small program because I know a lot of teenager teenagers don't like being the center of attention but I've always been the center of attention so I definitely would have loved something that catered to like those skills because I consider that like what I do sometimes very valuable skills like my interpersonal skills my communication skills my very much public speaking skills I think those are things that I definitely would have liked to work on a bit more when I was younger because I don't think I always got the opportunity to well, I, I mean, I've said before, Jess, when I edit the podcast, you're the person whose stuff I have to doctor the least. Me and fire sometimes need a lot of love. But when I get to a <laughs> Jess section, aside from the occasional like crunching of M&Ms and like nesting noises that the possum <laughs> makes, the possum brood in the background hissing and crawling. Otherwise, I have to edit your stuff very little. So that makes sense. And I, a ninth grade pre-law, like imagine baby like pre-law for babies. That's kind of <laughs> badass. That's cool. Yeah, it would have been, I think it would have definitely prepared a lot of people better because I do have friends who like ended up going to law school and they're like, oh my God, I never expected it to be like this. What about you, Fire? What would baby freshy Fire do if you had some sort of like career track that you could engage with as a as a kid? It sh should have been some sort of like sports management or sports analytics something that would be cool or like business management or pre-law something like jess said something where you know I, I, like and then that should be done at the school like okay the school has an athletic program like what is the what are we doing to do analysis and whatever with our program and then if you do it here, you could do it at the college level. Then you could do it at the pro level. And then, hey, you know who else does a lot of data analysis? Every company in the world. So now like you have this, this easily transferable skill that you've been doing since you know, you were in high school. So I, I think that would be something, you know, and then even though the organizational stuff, there's just so many organizational things that have to be done within the building that have a big impact and then free up teachers or other staff to do other things. So, you know, creating that where it's part of the curriculum is, is the challenge, but 
I feel that that is incredibly more impactful and beneficial. And that can really not only be good for the students, but it's good for the, the current school community for future students. I'm inspired. That's cool. And and what are we talking about today, Fire? We got sort of I, I, from there, I, I think it's interesting talking about this amazing exemplary education. And I think we're going in sort of an opposite direction today. What are we what are we chatting about this morning? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it is an opposite direction. See, that's where it might be. It might be intertwined. So we were mulling this week over, I guess, our fails, right? Like the the fail, you know how they have the the, the fail YouTube videos where it's just 75 different uh, fails in a row? Teacher fails. Right. So our teacher fails. So we were thinking of lesson fails. So my lesson fail. So this is where... <laughs> So I used to teach psychology. I used to teach AP psychology. And um, I, you know, this ties into to things that we've talked about before regarding like kind of how we feel as educators and what, what we should be exposing the students to. Should we really be kind of highlighting the realities of the world or should we be a little more protective of that? So a, a younger Mr. Fire it felt it very important to make sure that all the gruesome details were always very upfront and center because that would get the students engaged, which is true, right? So we were doing a lesson on the brain and I was like, you know what? Why don't we watch a video of a brain surgery? Wouldn't that oh, be a, boy. why don't we do that? Right. And it's fascinating because there's many surgeries where the patient is actually still conscious during the surgery because they do that to then map different parts of the brain. So then there's this great video where this patient's talking as they're having brain surgery. And then they go to the back and they show the person's, you know, brain exposed. And then I'm like pointing at it and like, oh, and you see here, here's the, the frontal lobes and the outer shell. And I hear like a behind me and I looked down and this poor girl passed out in the front row from seeing the exposed <laughs> from seeing said exposed brain you yeah. know from Mr. Fire's lesson now of course there's other thing you know she said oh I didn't eat today I didn't have breakfast or lunch and I haven't had and there's all that stuff so she wasn't feeling well and you know that just kind of set her off and you know so that made me feel better knowing that like it wasn't me that pushed her over the edge but um it does kind of bring back like you know what exactly am I trying to accomplish <laughs> right <laughs> right try to what am I trying to do you know it's it's high I understand that us as teachers are up against it in terms of like attention and engagement and things like that but that goes back to my previous point where then instead of like the shock treatment to get their engagement how about the the professional real world work to get their engagement like instead of me having to shock them into into being into the lesson by showing them a, a brain surgery maybe we actually do some sort of you know psych research or, or whatever within the building to help the building be better I was kind of hoping you were going to say, instead of showing them the brain surgery, we're going to make them do the brain do surgery. The brain we're going to do it. <laughs> Let's see what is wrong with me. But something just more that, that might be a little more beneficial to everybody. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have passed out, but if I was in that class, I don't think I would have been watching either. I loved it too. I was living it up. I was. That's a great video. That's a great video. The guy's playing the banjo while he's playing the guitar while he's having his No, brain. during the brain surgery? It's bizarre. Oh, yeah, it's God. crazy. Fitting, very fitting. Yeah. So, you know, and then once again, I ate great intent. My my intent was good and everything, but, you know, come on, let's uh, let's tone it down a little bit. Yeah. Weren't you the one that said the phrase, uh, hell is paved with great intentions? Exactly. Exactly. Wasn't that you? Wasn't that you? You know, unfortunately, if what if she fell and hit her head? And then it's like not 
this fun cute story and it's a little hey. more like what do you you know so all of those things unfortunately you know not unfortunately the reality is all those things we have to take into account and you know maybe exposing every single reality to our young people isn't exactly you know the the most important thing we need to be doing yeah it, it's interesting fire my teacher fail i was looking through like old lessons i was trying to find a bad lesson or a lesson that didn't go good i, I was trying to go through my database and find some like truly terrible lesson and before i i stumbled across one that i thought was really awful I, I ran into something that I, I just found aggressively mediocre, but there was a lot of it. And that was textbook assignments. And as I was going through, I was looking through specifically my first couple of years of teaching like US history and world history. And once a week, I did, you know, some kind of textbook assignment, we called it book quests as if that made it better somehow. And so I was clicking through some of them. And some of them are good. Some of them are just the, the questions from the book retyped up. And as I look at that and think about how I teach now and and the shift to an emphasis on skills and things like talking circles and discussions or these like really deep DBQs. And then I look at lists like define these five terms about World War One, Franz Ferdinand, no man's land, trench warfare. It just was like the most like unengaging, boring, mediocre. And I just think of, you know, I think it was Wednesdays were book days for me. There's probably like three years, maybe four years of Wednesdays that I think maybe were just a waste of my time and the students' time. And to me, in you know, one of those one-off wasn't the end of the world, but in aggregate, I'm like, damn, that to me is, that's a big teacher fail. Yeah, those those are not great. I'm thinking about my high school days and like, those were not the fun days. Those are not, I don't think I retained any of that information. No, and the, no one authentically does them, you know, and, and even if you are authentically doing it, what does it mean? You're literally copying a definition from the book over into the, the organizer. I don't know. I just was like, you know, I don't use, I haven't used a textbook in like three years now or something. And I, I just felt, I felt bad about those. I don't know. Is there any defense of the book assignment? Can we think of a way to defend the book assignment? That's what I was then trying to think is like, is there any merit to this? Well, I was going to say, I've never used a textbook in my class. I've never, since I started teaching, I never even picked up the textbook. I never gave it to the kids, not once. I would say it's helpful in that, I mean, it's loaded with, you know, primary and secondary source passages. So it's true. You don't have to necessarily print everything out and, you know, be miserable about that. Although many of our colleagues, then what, what would they do with their day if they couldn't print things out and be miserable? What would they, you know, <laughs> it's tough for us as history teachers because we love history. We're history nerds. So we lean into the details of the events and all that stuff. But it goes back to kind of what I was saying. What What is the purpose of knowing all this stuff anyways? So let's start with that and then kind of work into the, do you know what no man's land is? And then maybe we don't have to watch all of All all Quiet on the Western Front for you to get the idea that World War One was a, a rough go. Yeah. And I do see there's, you know, maybe some value as an alternative to direct instruction or a way to set context. But yeah, I was just, I, I was looking at those and I'm like, dang, this is rough. That's hilarious. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that you legit didn't have any, and then that was going to be the end of the, the podcast. No, no, I wish. I wish. No, I just like, I couldn't think of one. I was having trouble of thinking one specifically disastrous lesson. Because I think one of the things as teachers we try to do is like salvage it or abandon ship. You know, I'll abandon ship. I, I 
I've told this story briefly before on the podcast. I think of some industrial revolution movie I showed to my freshman, my first year teaching that I did not preview. And I got the questions from the internet and the video didn't match up with the questions. And this was kind of before cell phones were, I mean, kids had cell phones, but they were maybe a little less addicted. And so I looked out like a third of the way through. I was trying to do the questions as I watched. I had none of the answers. The kids weren't on their phones, but looking at them, it was like looking at a morgue. They're just like dead blank stares. And I was like, you know what? guys, we gotta, we'll, we'll just quit this one. That's the worst one I could, I could think of. But otherwise, a lot of times, if you notice something is going funny, you just try to, to adapt, which I think Jess, maybe you have a story about adapting that didn't go so hot. What do you got over there? Yeah. So this one was from student teaching. And I even had my mentor teacher, who is now my colleague be like, yeah, that was, that was kind of bad. That was, that was like the first bad lesson you've given <laughs> since you've gotten here. And I like cried afterwards. And he's like, don't cry. And I'm like, I can't stop crying. And so basically, like I had planned on a Monday for kids to do like one of my Socratic seminars, but I felt that the, a lot of them were vastly unprepared. So I canceled and moved it to the next day. And then I tried to pull together like a makeshift, like last minute lesson. When in reality, I should have just done the discussion. I should have just had the kids crash and burn. Like, what was it gonna, like, I was trying so hard to be like, oh, but I want it to be really good. Like, I want to make sure that they're prepared, this and that. So I either should have just give them another day to prepare instead of pulling out this random lesson from like a textbook type thing that we had. Like, it was like a binder full of like, oh, it was the binder, like the Civics binder. So I pulled one of those out there tried to like do a lesson around it and it was like 20 minutes before the start of first period and I'm like what am I doing so I stuck with that new lesson and it totally was bad because I was very vastly unprepared did not really think it through and then my colleague told me that it was terrible and I was like I know it was terrible like I saw how it went down I, I kind of noticed that and I cried and then from then on I was like never again I'm never gonna do that again you know what I'm just gonna stick to it once I do the thing and I'll modify as I go through the lesson. But you know what, I think that I'll just learn from doing <laughs> the lesson that I originally wanted to, and then reflecting afterwards and making my changes. So I think that was like the biggest lesson fail because it was it was rough out there. Like even for someone else to be like, you know what, that was kind of rough. <laughs> I think that was definitely bad. So it was, I'm, I'm like, I'm never doing that to myself again. Why would I ever, you know what? Whatever lesson I had planned, we're doing it, kids. If it sucks, it sucks. It's all right. We'll change it later. <laughs> yeah. Although I do find when I'm commuting to work, sometimes I have great ideas and I change my plans and that gives me enough buffer time to prep and shift. And I, I, I like the commute change. I don't like the I'm at school change, but the commute change of plans, that's worked good for me. Yeah. Cause then you can kind of think about like, okay, what are my, what are the actionable tasks that I must do while in the meantime? time when you're at school trying to change it you're like okay here's the idea how do I develop this idea how then what are my actionable steps and it just becomes a hot mess and that was your was that student teaching Jess or first year no that was student teaching, student teaching. I don't think during like my first year I had any terrible crazy bad lessons I think the ones that were really crazy bad were usually due to not being prepared properly like they were like I did this like 20 minutes before the start of class yeah. But sometimes those are good if you know what you're doing. But if you have no, no idea what you're doing 20 minutes before the start of class, that's when you're like, ooh. Yeah, I think also some of the ones that I've done that were the worst is when the stuff is way too challenging. That's another thing that I, I, I had a French Revolution 
lesson that I, I, I no, not French Revolution, Haitian Revolution lesson that I did in the one of the the World Studies stuff, Jess. You, you know, like the whatever the Revolutions unit, and the content was so tough, and I was trying to pack so much in, and I was being observed, not evaluatively, but it was one of those like walkthroughs. And our our current department chair was visiting, and she was watching me and the students all flounder, and I never followed up with her about it, but I like I wanted to apologize. It was just so bad. Like, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I, I was gonna say maybe it wasn't bad. No, it was pretty bad because the kids barely understood the documents. I barely understood the documents. Like it really needed like major adjustments and accommodations. And of course, that's a day somebody's in the class, not evaluative, of course, but yeah, that was, that was pretty painful too. So do we have any sort of takeaway on this? What are we, you know, we're talking about trying to scramble to put stuff together and, and keep in mind, I don't know how we transmit information to students and, and making sure that stuff is authentic. What's our, what's our takeaway for today as we talk about our, our teacher fails and our, our worst lessons. Well, one with, as far as like the textbook assignment and information, we're just in a different space. That's impressive. I never thought about that, Jess, that you've never used a textbook before. That's Nope, I've never picked up the textbook or pulled any, which I might now that you mentioned like, oh yeah, there's a lot of like primary sources because it's hard to find primary sources sometimes, but without like going through every single database and stuff like that. So I think I might use it for that, but I don't give it to the kids and say, here, read this and answer these questions. I don't, I've never done that. It's a, I think it's a almost a teacher generational thing. You know, I think Jess, you came to us in an era as an educator where I think we've sort of finally phased out the idea of relying super heavily on textbooks. Mm -hmm. Because I, even in high school, in my high school history classes, my, the person, the teacher who inspired me to become a teacher never really used the textbook either. Yeah, I don't think I remember using my history textbook once or twice. He was really all about project-based learning though, which was pretty cool now that I'm an educator and look back and be like, oh, all of those things that he was doing was to teach me how to work with a group and how to do these assignments without like just sitting there and staring at a textbook. So I think that's pretty cool. And I guess fire, you're going to avoid shocking students. Yeah, both literally, figuratively. Yeah, there isn't the payoff that you that I that I, there is that, that that you think there is. So yeah, it might be just because I now have a newborn, and it's like, oh, I want to keep him so innocent and sweet. But um, yeah, just like, what is the purpose of showing some of this stuff to kids, or you know, what is the purpose of having them do a textbook assignment? You know, what it just if you want them to have this information, then just give it to them, and then let's do cool stuff with it. If you want them to know. World War One was bad. Just be like, hey, you know, World War One was bad. If you want them to be like, hey, brain surgery is cool. Hey, brain surgery is kind of cool. If you want to check that out later, go ahead. Yeah. I think our switch to thematic units and all of our like history stuff has really been a good move in terms of trying to make things more meaningful, like we talked about in the last podcast, because I think then we are shying away from like the textbook stuff because we don't need to necessarily be chronological and timeliney that we don't need to provide all of this information because we don't need that context all the time because we're not working towards understanding chronological. We are working to understanding the big themes. So I think that really definitely helps in terms of trying to make everything else more meaningful. That all sounds great. I'm going to make one good textbook assignment. That's that's my mission. I'm going to take a textbook. I'm going to pick one up and I'm going to try to make something really cool out of it. And not just the standard. I know teachers like to do the opening up the textbook one where you sort of criticize what's in the textbook and critique it. I mean, I think that has to be part of it. But I'm, I think I'm, that's my mission. Before the end of the year, I'm going to come up with one cool textbook assignment. Okay, we'll follow up with you in three podcasts for now. Please don't. 
what te- what textbook what kind of textbook is well this? this is the issue is because i'm teaching civics and seminar right now so i have feelings classes i'll have to dig into maybe a u.s history book for some civics type stuff or something because for the freshman seminar and the senior seminar there's no textbook for that because well the textbook exists but it's called the book of life baby the so, book of life baby <laughs> so for uh you know i just i just drank a soda stream diet coke really fast so and it's like kicking in here just in time for me to go grocery shopping and i'd be hitting the trader joe's and getting a lot of really sad refrigerated trader joe's meals for me to heat up over the next week but uh, i might rate a u.s history textbook for some sort of cool civic stuff i think that's maybe my plan fun or you could do it during social movements and pick out some social movement stuff that's true yeah that's actually a great place to fit that in you know a terrific lesson is looking at and analyzing old textbooks and comparing them to more contemporary views or criticizing them yeah Ooh. <laughs> and I, I bet we have some of those floating around. Oh, you know we do. Oh, you know, you know oh, there's there one is- school that does, it's ours. Ours has got something from the from the 20th century that I'm sure you could use in class. Jess, you wanna take it home? Because I got a dog that wants to go on a walk here. Sounds good. So thank you all for listening. Please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to get in touch, ask us a question, you can do so via Spotify or shoot us an email at teach4xcontact at gmail.com. You can also find us everywhere on the web and support us on Patreon by visiting www.teach4x.com. Thank you, everyone. All right, everybody. You have yourself a great week. We'll see you later.